0: Ben.
1: My name is Melody.
0: And we are your hosts of the Too Vague podcast this week. Melody, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Excellent. Yes, I'm doing well myself. Anything exciting uh, coming up in your world? Anything that you're uh, focusing on right now?
1: Yes. Well, I just started at the business school at U of A at Eller. Nice. Yes. That just started this Wednesday, and I'm also at the tail end of my off-season for bodybuilding before I start preparing for another competition.
0: What division are you in?
1: I'm in the women's figure
0: Figure. division. Okay. So how long have you been going to Eller?
1: So I've been at the U of A since I retired from the Marine Corps at the end of 2020. So I started at U of A the spring of 2021 Mm -hmm. and I had to apply to the business school, which is Eller. And I just came in for this semester. So this is my first semester at Eller.
0: But not your first semester at the U of A. That's correct. You retired from the military after how many years of service?
1: I retired from the Marine Corps after 18 years.
0: Which is... A little bit shorter than normal, or is that like a normal cycle for people who are in the military? They start to retire at around eighteen, twenty, some on years.
1: You're actually right. It's normally 20 years, mm-hmm. but I had to retire early because I had back surgery and the Marine Corps, they do a lot of running and it's part of our annual physical fitness tests and stuff like that. And unfortunately, I could never, after my surgery, I could never run as fast or as long again Mm -hmm. but at least they gave me a full retirement and it wasn't just a pat on the back thank you for your 18 years yeah
0: that's good to hear actually yeah did you see I, i know this might sound ignorant but you didn't see any action or anything in your 18 years did you did you serve overseas in addition to doing day-to-day military stuff?
1: I sure did. I deployed to Iraq back in 2009 mm-hmm. during Operation Iraqi Freedom. So it wasn't too long after 9-11, but yeah. it was um, you know, during that time where our war in the Middle East was pretty pretty intense. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did see some stuff.
0: When you had your back surgery, that wasn't like an injury that occurred. It was just something... Over time?
1: Yep. It was something accumulated over time to the point where they had to fuse my spine. Oh, wow. It was good, though. It was the surgery that I needed. And um of course, I fought it for like two years. And I said, no, 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 let's do everything else, but nothing. Right. So finally, I gave into it and um, I'm glad I did it. even though I had to retire early, my quality of life just improved drastically after the surgery.
0: That's great. yeah, the, when you make those discoveries in life, my similarity to that is mental health. You kind of say, I can do it myself, I can do it myself, and then there's a point you reach where, You know what we got to do something about this and then the quality of life improves drastically so it's it's not quite the same thing as physical but i think when you're talking health yes you know you've got your physical health and your mental health and they're they're related
1: absolutely they're equally important so
0: let's talk about our word our word today is the word fit i was thinking about doing figure because that's your division Right. Yeah. All the terminology and value building, I'm I'm a little bit confused about, but but we can clear that up. I'm I'm hoping. Sure. We can do the definition first. The definition of the word fit. There are a number of different uses of that. Uh, this is all according to Oxford Languages. So, if you have a problem with the definition, just take it up with Mister Oxford or whatever. (laughs) There's the adjective, there's the verb, there's the noun. We'll start with the adjective of suitable quality or standard or type to meet the required purpose. A good fit, for example. Mm -hmm. Having the requisite qualities or skills to undertake something competently, suitable and correct according to accepted social standards. In good health. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, uh informally in british sexually attractive i guess that's that's a one too (laughs) i did not know that
1: wow yeah didn't expect that one (laughs) no
0: no i didn't either i think i probably should have reviewed these first but anyway (laughs) we have the verb be of the right shape or size for fix or put something into place to fit, like, you know, you've got your fittings as far as things and physically affixing things into place, to provide uh, something with a particular component or article, to be in agreement or harmony with, to match, and then for the noun, a particular way in which something, especially a garment or component, fits around or into something. There's also a sudden uncontrollable outbreak of intense emotion. Hmm. I don't know if I use that as much anymore, like fits of...
1: Oh, like a fit of rage.
0: Exactly. There are a lot of different definitions for fit. I think I usually associate fitness and wellness more than the other definitions. That's kind of what I think of when I think of the word fit. How about you? If, If I were to say the word fit, what is the first thing that you think of? as far as definitions?
1: Well, I think the first thing that would come to mind would be physical fitness.
0: Obviously. Right. <laughs>
1: Mainly because of what I do. So that's why it, it would be at the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. But of course I could go down a rabbit hole with that word.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just like how it says in the, Dictionary has, there's so many different meanings to it or ways of using it.
0: Another way I think of fit, it's like, how do I fill a position? So how do I fit in this structure or how do I fit in this business model or a role? But generally when I think of fit, yeah, it's like fitness and wellness and maintaining physical health. Mm-hmm. And then the origin from the old English, fit or related to German, fitzi skine of yarn i don't even know what that means Hmm. your husband is german right no 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 what is his origin
1: he's from texas born and raised Oh, okay he is part mexican and the rest is just caucasian but we don't know what it actually is we'd probably have to do a 23 and me or (laughs) something
0: yeah i'm a little skeptical about those services but yeah that's that's interesting okay so you met him in the United States. I don't know why my my mind when I thought uh and your husband uh, bodybuilds too, right?
1: He did. Now he's into MMA, which I'm I'm glad he did that, but we can get into that at another time.
0: Um, MMA, huh? He
1: still trains like a bodybuilder? Right. And still has, you know, he's very muscular, mm-hmm. very lean at um yeah, he's no longer competing in bodybuilding.
0: Okay, tell me if I'm getting too personal, but when you when you met, uh-huh. were you both in the military or were you just? Yeah.
1: We actually, um, we met in San Diego. We were both stationed at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar. Mm-hmm. He was there as the crew chief for because we were both air traffic controllers. Okay, and he was basically the guy in charge of one of the crews, and I got assigned to his crew, and we were we were the only two single people and of course it started off as friends and eventually became more but yeah that's how we met
0: as far as your interest in bodybuilding when did that start is that was that something where that you both kind of i mean some couples i know that they do this together or they bond over those kinds of things is that Mm -hmm. the way it happened for you and your husband or is it something that you got interested in first and then he got interested in or what does the trajectory look like there
1: It is similar to what you said, but um, he he actually always had a curiosity and interest for bodybuilding Mm -hmm. when he went into the Marine Corps. So he used to train, but his diet was never really focused towards bodybuilding and even his training, to be honest. It was when he got out of the Marine Corps in 2010, he started to look into it a bit more and he met people that were actually in, in that sport. -hmm. And so he got really interested in it and he wanted to go for it back in 2015. Right. I thought he was nuts because when I learned all the different um, restrictions that are on there Mm -hmm. when it comes to food, I just thought that was insane. And then, of course, the training it's very structured and you just have to do it even on days you don't want to or don't feel like it. Right. And he would still go and he would spend, you know, two, three hours. And I just thought that was ridiculous. But when I saw the results and I saw how like his whole body just changed his entire body composition and I saw the before and after pictures, I was just blown away and I was really impressed Mm -hmm. and I, saw how well he started to do at these competitions, that's when I finally realized, okay, you know what? I like to work out. I've always liked to weight train and, you know, be strong, but I always wanted to see the fruits of my labor. Right. And so here I am, I'm training and I have this vision of what I'm going to look like in my brain, but it would never manifest Mm -hmm. because I wasn't, you know, eating or training the right way to support that look that I was going for. Right. So finally he said, well, why don't you give it a shot? give bodybuilding a shot and see what you think, you know, try it out for a year. And if you like it, great. If not, that's fine too, but just try it. So I said, okay, why not? So I hired a coach and, um, yeah, the rest is history.
0: (laughs) And that was during his, his competition days or.
1: Yep. During when he was competing, but I didn't start competing until two years later. So 2017, Okay, he started 15. I started in 17.
0: Okay. And this is while you're still in the military. Yes. So bodybuilding in general as a sport, I I use this as a blanket descriptor, right? Bodybuilding in general. You were interested in while you were in the military. Now, how do you do that in the military? I mean, that seems to me like you said that the whole thing as far as is regimented what you need to eat, what you need to do. And that seems to be counter to what the, when I think of the military, I think a very structured sort of organization where you don't have a lot of choice. Mm -hmm. Is that a misnomer?
1: Uh, slightly. Yeah. Okay. Because, and it also depends on what your job is. Right. So if I had a job where I was constantly in the field, Mm -hmm. meaning I'd have to eat, you know, MREs, meals ready to eat, um, that are packaged. It's, all processed food, um, and that would be my only source of food, then yeah, bodybuilding just wouldn't work. Okay. But I was in air traffic control where I could control that part of my life. Mm-hmm. And same with my schedule. You know, Yes, I, I worked normal hours, to be honest. I mean, I would work from about 7.45 in the morning until 4 p.m. And so I could either train first thing in the morning, or I could train after work. Yeah. So it was still feasible for me.
0: My interest in bodybuilding came about sort of as a, I'm not trying to be uh, make this uncomfortable, but it was an attraction to people who were women specifically, who were stronger, who were confident. It's sort of a strength thing physically, but there's also a piece that I think about that's a there's discipline involved, there's other strength components that that make that an attractive sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, and that just kind of manifested itself. And as I got older, that was sort of what I was interested in. Yeah, You know, you figure out where you're attracted to, right, as you get older. Yeah. But I mean, that's a generalization. It's It's more of a people who are strong, know what they want, disciplined, that kind of thing is an attractive feature for me. And so that is sort of where my interest in bodybuilding sort of started. But then as I got to know about what it was, it's sort of a, I don't want to say rebellious act, but it's like, this is who I am. There's sort of a confidence that you you have to have when you're presenting your body Mm -hmm. for judgment. It's not the norm. And I always felt like I was not the normal person too. So I kind of connected with that as well. Mm -hmm. So I have little knowledge of what bodybuilding is just a spectator. I know a little bit about the different divisions. I do some following of people who participate on Instagram. So pardon me if I don't know a lot of these different terms and whatnot. So there are bodybuilding federations. How many different bodybuilding federations are there? Because I know of there's the IFBB and the NPC. Mm -hmm. one is the amateur federation and one is the professional or are there other federations
1: so yeah npc that's the national physique committee Mm -hmm. and that is for amateurs okay and that's actually what i'm competing in that's what i've been competing in since 2017 Mm -hmm. that is what will uh feed into the ifbb so if you can win these national level competitions and earn your pro card, then you would be a part of the IFBB, Okay. the International Federation of Bodybuilding.
0: Right. So that's something where you have to continue winning competitions in order to stay in that as a pro, or is it something where once you get your pro card, you're a pro?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay. Yeah. So when I see people who say that they are competing in something like an Olympia, Hmm. But they still have to qualify for that Olympia, even though they are Pros. a professional, right? So they have to win a certain number of shows before they can actually compete in the Olympia. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, you have to win one professional show. Okay. To qualify for the Olympia. Okay. Now, up until recently, if you're a pro, you don't have to necessarily win a show, but you could get points. So you would have to do multiple shows, place really high just, you know, if you don't make it first place, then at least second or third, and you would get points that could go towards qualifying for the Olympia. Mm -hmm. Well, recently, after this last Olympia, they came out and said, okay, we're changing the rules. You have to win a professional show.
0: Oh, okay.
1: To qualify for the Olympia.
0: So this is after the, the 2022 show? Yes. Oh, okay.
1: All Olympias moving forward, unless they change the rules again, you actually have to win a professional show to qualify for the Olympia.
0: So there's no more qualifying on points.
1: That's correct. And from what I've been hearing among the pros, they are pretty happy about that.
0: Is that because the the field is thinned? Because I know in certain divisions, that would be a good thing. And in other divisions, like your physique, there are less people who compete in those than something like I mean, a figure, isn't figure division like one of the largest divisions as far as the number of people there?
1: I would say figure division is more of a medium okay. compared to like women's bikini.
0: Oh, bikini, Yeah.
1: And women's wellness as well as men's physique. Like there are so many of them. So, I mean, it makes sense um, the more I think about it, you know, because these pros, it'll streamline, you know, who the top in the world are. Mm -hmm. Because obviously the Olympia, that's where everyone from all over the world, they come to compete. Right. And so this will streamline it instead of having so many people who not only won pro competitions, but they also got there on points. So they did a ton of shows and then they, you know, finally qualified based off of points. So then you just have more and more people. And as an athlete, and as a competitor myself, it really does suck when there's so many people in your division, you're there forever. Right. Competition day can sometimes be two days, and it's long, and you're hungry, and the last thing you want to do is just sit around and wait when you could be eating.
0: Right. They're trying to streamline the whole competition process instead of having too many people a qualification sort of thing. You want your top people competing and you don't have to score your, I don't know how it scores. That's kind of a confusing thing too that maybe we can clear up a little bit. I don't think we'll be able to get it all, but I know there's a big difference between things like muscle shape and muscle composition and Mm -hmm. the different looks that you're trying to achieve and the balance. The, The female bodybuilding for some reason, I'm always thinking that their legs are too small. And I don't know why that is. I, I like the big girls, uh, as far as the, the, the weightlifting folks.
2: <laughs>
0: this is kind of a personal story. I remember when I was in my 20s, there was a girl that I knew where I worked, who was into bodybuilding, who worked tech support. Uh-huh. And she, you know, we talked about this stuff. And, and there was a She was a larger girl. She was an up-and-comer at the time. I don't know if she competed in a lot of professional bodybuilding competitions, but I do know that she won a few local competitions. She met her husband in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Actually, for one year, went to Sweden and was one of the gladiators in the, like the American gladiators, except the diva was her gladiator name in Sweden. So she was on the Swedish gladiators for a year back in 2000 or whatever. Oh, wow. Which is kind of a neat thing. Through her, one of her, you know, friends that she met in Sweden came out here, and this was when I was in my late 20s, and I had no idea about what the heck dating was about. I didn't even know about myself. You know, most people know this stuff. <laughs> I'm just oblivious when it comes to that, but as this story shall illustrate, you'll probably get frustrated when I talk about it, too. Her friend came out and she goes, hey, why don't you show, you know, she knew that I was attracted to the whole bodybuilding thing. So she said, my friend is coming out from Sweden. She's going to have a day. Why don't you go and show her, just go out and do something with her. She wants to go up to Mount Lemmon. I was like, oh, that's cool. We get together and there was kind of a lack of confidence, you know, which was kind of to me, it, it was really strange because I thought, you know, these people are fit they they look great why wouldn't you be confident and she told me some stories about you know how she was in for a role and she said to herself it's like this really uh, man i i know i'm i'm kind of vomiting here diarrhea of the mouth (laughs) but but there's sort of a point at the end of this we go to the first thing that i think of was oh let's go eat Mm -hmm. we go to tgi friday's ridiculous like i am you know i'm looking at myself now going you idiot (laughs) what the hell are you thinking tgi fridays so we go to tgi fridays and i can eat a lot i'm definitely an eater Uh i have the metabolism of a hummingbird so you know we eat we go up to mount lemon we start driving up there Mm -hmm. the road is closed so it's like oh what do we do i'm hungry we go back to tgi fridays Because, I mean, it's just like, what the hell are you thinking, Ben? What are you thinking? (laughs) She doesn't know the area. She doesn't want to go to eat again. She's a bodybuilder. She's got her competition thing. She's got her diet she's got a concern, you know, she's concerned with. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discipline there. But I was struck by, you know, she's a normal person. Yeah, (laughs) She has the same normal fears and things like, what do people think? All these things that that a normal human being does. Are there things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis where people, like myself back then when I was an idiot, make certain assumptions about what you do and how you present yourself that kind of, are there any frustrations there? Yeah. Or is the community so tight-knit that you are all there for each other?
1: Well, of course, yeah, there you know, there are other competitors that I'm friends with. And the good thing about having that is they understand what you're going through. Yeah. And so it's good to have people like that to relate to. But I also have friends that have no idea about bodybuilding. They just know I do it
2: mm-hmm.
1: to buy it, but they have no idea what I go through. And that's okay. You know, cause it's a sport that I do and I don't expect anybody to, want to live their life like this because it's oh yeah dream i definitely face my own um insecurities like even now in my off season i'm carrying i'm carrying more fat so in my brain i'm just like oh my god you're a fat slob (laughs) that might be considered harsh on myself and honestly i know i'm not a fat slob but am i a little self-conscious about what i wear yeah absolutely But to other people that have nothing to do with this sport, they look at me and they think like they even tell me, oh, my God, you look great. You're so athletic. And I'm thinking all I can do is just say thank you, you know, because I don't ever give off the impression that I'm fishing for compliments. Right. In my brain, I'm just like, are they blind? (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I'm so sick right now. Like I can barely see any muscle definition myself. But, you know, I just say thank you and go on with my day. I think as a bodybuilding competitor athlete, a lot of us do deal with that. What do they call it? Body dysmorphia. Uh, yeah. Oh So even when I'm really lean, mm-hmm. ready for a competition, even then I will look at myself and be like, oh, my God, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. If I can grab just a little bit of what I would think is fat, but it's actually just skin. I can grab a little bit of that and, um, I have to talk myself down like, okay, mm. you're doing fine. And that's the whole point of also having a coach to let you know, like, Hey, you are right on track. Right. Let me worry about it. If I see things that need adjustments, I'm going to make those adjustments, but you're going to be ready for this competition. Yeah. But that's what you have a coach for. Right. So yeah. But as far as insecurities, yeah, we have, we're like everybody else. right? Um, but I think for us, maybe it could be, it's more intense for us when it comes to insecurities.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think now is different than bodybuilding back in the early 2000s, right? And maybe, you know, late 90s, where you were getting your information from the muscle magazines and things, yeah. you know, you weren't getting your information from the internet quite yet because social media wasn't as robust as it is now. Right. And now there's a larger window, right? You've got your, there's still, you know, it's still not exactly hundred percent, but you hear people's stories. You hear people telling their stories about their issues, what they're dealing with online, you know, through your Facebooks, through your Twitters, through your Instagrams. So there's more of an open line of communication. The problem with that is also there's an open line of communication with people who are putting you down, right? So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, cuz you'll even get you know, you get people that they just can't help themselves if you put a picture up of yourself. Right. And you're a lot of us were before we even put a picture up, we're just like, "Oh, should I?" You know, you're already having you know some type of trepidation. Like, should I put this up? Mm -hmm. And do it anyway. Not really going for comments, but people will still feel the need to comment and think that okay, well, I have to. Let me knock her down to size. She's looking the way she does. Let me just remind her she's not she's not that great. Yeah. And so some of them will make comments, and you know, a woman with significant muscle. Oh yeah, you look like a man. And it's like okay, yeah, whatever. I don't do it for you.
0: you look how you look. I mean, you know, who who cares? Especially now with 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 the way people are, you know, the the gender sort of blurring, right? There's I look like I look. So yeah. back in those days, oh boy, if I showed you a picture of the way I looked back in those days, I was a multiply pierced, <laughs> crazy hair, reflective shirts, very much into my, you know, as kind of a goth industrial kind of following music kind of guy very punk rock looking a lot of times very different right so i could totally relate to people putting you down for whatever oh you look you look like a girl who got earrings you know all this stuff was like whatever just shut up
1: and it's like mind your bit look away then
0: yeah exactly do you think it's easier for people of our generation i say our generation but you're generation x right
1: i believe i fall into the category of millennial i asked my daughter okay and she was like no you're a millennial and i was like okay
0: Okay, because I thought you were like early 40s. I am, 41, but
1: I was born in 1981, and I think that was right when the millennial generation started.
0: That's like right on the cusp, I think. Yeah. That's around the transition there. I've got a friend who's the same age as you who doesn't want to be a millennial so she's like no no no, i'm I'm all gen x (laughs) you
1: know what i'm right there with her (laughs) you
0: know not to overly generalize about gen x but i think there's a there's sort of a confidence there generation x is more comfortable saying i don't care what you think just i'm gonna do this to make myself happy screw all you other people we still have our own feelings and emotions that we deal with yeah it's sad to hear that are there's still people out there who are putting others down for doing what they are passionate about. But I mean, just persevering. And as long as it's something that you want to do, continue doing it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I even wish that the younger generations would get into it, but for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. As a lot of people, they like the perception of being a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. almost as if they just want to put it on social media. And like I said, give off that perception But then they're not willing to put in the work and put your head down and grind yeah a lot of what bodybuilding is it is a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. it's a lot of discipline you know when you're relying on getting all your workouts in and sticking to your diet based off of motivation you're going to fail because we're not all motivated all the time Mm -hmm. that comes goes.
2: yeah
1: Uh, but on those days where motivation is low energy is low you rely on your discipline to get in there and get the work done.
0: And that's also where your coach and your partner also kind of can, can help to like be your sort of foundation. You've got people cheering you on too.
1: Oh yeah. When you develop a relationship with your coach and like even your, you know, your spouse and you know, you don't want to let them down. Right. The biggest insult to the people that love and care about you and believe in you is if you quit something that they completely believe that you can accomplish and be successful at
0: you can put a lot of pressure on yourself too when you get ready for a competition how much do you rely on your coach i I think we talked a little bit about this offline about how you know you got to find the right coach yes to align with your goals or what you're going for when you compete are you competing against yourself first and then against some the group of people that you're classified with?
1: Yeah, because if you think about it, it isn't like a typical sport where you can, you know, do research on your competition and then find their weaknesses and then try to, you know, counteract that in, in, to your, in your favor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bodybuilding, you have no idea who's going to show up.
0: Right. And what condition they're going to be in.
1: Yep. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. So it starts with, yeah, you're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. And whole thing about bodybuilding is year to year to year, you want to be improving. Mm -hmm. So if I look worse than I did last year, what's the point in competing this year, I should stay in an off season and continue to progress.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But if I'm continuing to, you know, I'm getting stronger, and I'm definitely putting on good size then yeah, it's looking pretty good. And my coach, you know, he's trained, he has an eye for these kind of things where he'll be able to tell me like, okay, let's get ready for another competition or let's spend more time in the off season Mm -hmm. and more improvements. So there has to be a lot of trust there and that's developed over time. Oh yeah. You know, working with them and doing a competition with them, doing a full off season with them so they can learn about your body, what works for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me being able to give him, my coach, as much feedback as possible to where he can make changes, relevant changes for me, that'll help me continue to progress.
0: Is that something where you'll reach a point where not everyone has a coach, right, in bodybuilding? I guess it's a thing where once you get to a certain point where you're confident that you can monitor these changes to your body and so on and so forth, are there people who compete in the sport who... Just don't have a coach.
1: Very few. Okay. And I know one of them, and he is actually he is a coach, mm-hmm. and he ended up coaching himself. Right. But he even told me even during that time when he was coaching himself, he still relied on a friend who was also a coach to just have eyes on him, just to oh yeah, that he was making the right calls for himself. But very, very few athletes coach themselves. And I'll say that it's because when you get to a certain point in prep, when you're prepping for a competition, you get into your own brain. And it's hard sometimes to distinguish between do I need to make a change because it's necessary or is this an emotional decision? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get less and less food because you have to be completely you have to remove all type of emotion and just look at the numbers and be very strict with that. If you were going to coach yourself right. and be very in tune with your own body and know, okay, maybe I need to increase my fats right now or even my carbs, or maybe I need to cut that out. And when you're hungry, <laughs> which is what happens to everybody at one point or another in prep, it will happen when you are starving to take food away from yourself
2: <laughs> right
1: uh, that's that's very difficult but it's oh yeah you know like I said you have to remove all emotion which is really difficult especially at that point in prep where you are physically and mentally exhausted yeah those kind of decisions for yourself it's best to have somebody else who has your best interest at heart and they're watching you and they know what changes to make that will get you over a
0: hump an objective opinion yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the figure division specifically really quick. Okay. The figure division differs as far as the way it's judged. How? You've got your wellness, you've got your physique. Mm -hmm. Are they still doing physique?
1: Yes. Women's physique is definitely still going.
0: Okay. For a while there, it was, there were sort of blurred lines, you know, like back when they dropped bodybuilding, when you had your Olympia dropped it for for a while. The Arnold dropped it for a while. And then sort of physique kind of came in into its place. And then it looked like they were very similar for a while there. And now they're starting to differ a little bit more. I remember there was a time where physique and bodybuilding seemed to be very similar.
1: They are very similar. I would say women's bodybuilding, they're probably bigger. Mm-hmm. They carry more muscle mass, but they yeah there's there's not much other difference between women's bodybuilding and women's physique
0: yeah i thought there was was size size and shape was a big sort of thing right
1: well yeah i mean women's bodybuilding their muscles are larger a lot more rounder
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: more developed and women's physique they're still very they're pretty big very muscular but they also have to get super lean where they have a grainy look to them because their muscles are really hard and there's almost no body fat there and you can see every striation going through their their muscles.
0: Yeah, I was going to say striations is, is one of the things. Yeah, so, so that is physique and bodybuilding. Your interpretation of the difference between a physique and a bodybuilding is what?
1: I would just say size is the only
0: difference. Size, okay. Mm-hmm. And then once you go from physique, the next step I don't want to say step down it's it's a difference right
1: it is different yeah
0: yeah it, it's not a step down if you if you're thinking like step down in size but I mean that's the differences between a physique and the next division you would think of is what fitness or figure or both
1: I would say figure and fitness is around the same obviously different requirements fitness you um, I'm sure you're aware they do acrobatic type performance. Right. Um, that's very big in their division. Mm-hmm. They do some posing, but for the most part, they're going off of their acrobatic performance. Okay. Along with, you know, they do have to have a certain level of muscle and leanness. I don't know all the other requirements, but that's where it's it's very different from figure. Right. For figure, they're looking more for an X shape. Okay. Think about the shoulders, how that comes out. And then you have to, it tapers in at the waist. Mm. So you definitely need, you know, your back to really be well developed because you need those lats to create that X. Right. And then it tapers in at the waist and then it flares back out with the legs. So Mm. that's why you also need development in your legs.
0: So what is wellness?
1: Wellness is mainly lower body. Okay. Highly developed lower body. They're looking at glutes, quads, everything from, uh, and you need a tiny waist. Um, your upper body is not going to be very developed. Still, there's some muscularity there, but not much. Mm-hmm. They definitely aren't looking for an X shape. They're looking for solid development in your lower body.
0: Okay. Wellness is lower body focus. Yes. Okay. And then bikini is what?
1: Bikini... <sighs> Not very much. Muscle development, of course, they do have to be toned. Mm -hmm. They don't want super leanness like what they would require in women's figure.
0: Right. They penalize for that, don't they?
1: Yes. And they don't want that much muscle development, especially not in their shoulders, not in their back. And you'll see some of these girls, they'll be told that their back is a little too developed. So the good thing in their posing, they can use their hair to cover their back.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Sometimes you'll see them, they even curl their hair, try different techniques just to hide their back if it's a little bit too much.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah, because a lot of them, they look very um, thin. Mm -hmm. And so they have some muscle there, just not nearly as developed as the other divisions.
0: Okay. So, for you, when you said your focus is on maintaining that X shape, Mm -hmm. another thing that I'm interested in as far as when you're competing, I see a lot of, and I'm looking only at the Olympia, Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of repeat winners. Yes. So, do some people kind of use the previous winner as a target, at least as a generalization as to, okay, so this is what the judges are looking for last year. Mm Mm-hmm it's an approximation of what I should look like. Is that a consideration when you're preparing for a competition? What the winners last year look like, or are you focused on presenting what figure that you want to present?
1: No, you definitely want to meet whatever the, you know, the category requirements are. And
0: Mm.
1: so, yeah, if there is the top figure competitor in the world, which is not, it's Sydney Gillen and she's been, She won for the sixth time in a row now. Yep. So judges will say that is the prime definition of what we look for in figure. Right. So everyone's aiming for that. They're trying to get as close to that as possible. Okay. Obviously, No one's going to match that to the T because we're all different. We're, you know, genetics and all of that. So you just do what you can to just meet the requirements of the division, Mm -hmm. which is that shape. You want your shoulders developed, your back developed, you want a smaller waist and you want to develop your quads and make sure you have a distinct hamstring glute tie in. And then, of course, get as lean as you can without getting grainy like a women's physique competitor.
0: When you say the word grainy, yeah. I think of striations. That's what I think of. Is that is that not what you're talking about?
1: No. It's grainy, and it's, even, it's hard to describe it. Once you see it, you'll know it.
0: Because uh-huh.
1: um, I used to see it on my husband every time he would be getting ready for a show because that's a requirement for men's bodybuilding as well. You need this grainy look. So it's almost where the skin isn't necessarily um, that smooth anymore. And the smoothness is from water and also from um, maybe even a little bit of fat that you develop this smoothness on your skin.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: When you remove all that water and all that fat and there's nothing but skin that's sitting on top of your muscles, now there's this greeniness that you can see through the skin just from the skin resting on the muscle.
0: Is that what people refer to as onion skin?
1: Oh, I've never heard.
0: Okay. I've, <laughs> okay. So it's the way the skin rests on when you have very little water, very little fat in your system. Yeah. The graininess is something that...
1: It, and it, it looks crazy. This is where you're literally peeled to the bone.
0: Which can't be healthy.
1: No. That's why no one will be in that state for very long. Right you know, it's important to start to get your body back to a little bit of normal.
0: Right. Are you thinking about at some point transitioning to a physique from a, f- a figure or is it this is right now, you're just working on getting qualified for figure and, and see where that goes.
1: So I did think about women's to transition to women's physique before. Mm-hmm. The only reason why was because I noticed that all of my competitions, even my, the most recent ones, I am the biggest one on stage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and talking to my coach, you know, he had, so at this last national level show I did in Las Vegas, uh, USA championships in July, I came in fourth place. So mm-hmm. I missed my pro card by two places.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, I noticed I am the biggest one on stage and I still keep, you know, I didn't win. I didn't win my pro card. So, but this is happening a lot where all these competitions I'm in, I'm the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, he was like, once you turn pro, you're going to be right there with the pros because they are all bigger. And he was like, and you have that size. He told me that the other girls, his other athletes that actually turn pro at these competitions, they were in um, different class. They were still figure. They were just in different class because they're shorter.
0: Yeah. There are different Separations there. There's like tall and.
1: NPC, they separate you by height. Okay. When you go pro, they take everybody at the same time. Right. So nothing to do with it in, at the pro level. But his other athletes that did win their pro card, he told them they're going to have to take at least a year to put on some size so they are competitive in the IFBB league. Right. For me, when I turned pro, he said, you're going to be ready to go from amateur to a pro competition in the same year because you already have the size that was the only thing that stopped me from going to women's physique because I figured you know maybe my genetics I'm just going to be more inclined I'd have to go to a different a higher division for you know that requires more muscle maybe that would be a better fit for me word of the day (laughs) um, yeah no he he said unless that's something I really want to do. He would recommend I stay in figure and I prefer figure because it's still, I'm able to hold on to some femininity there Right. because you go into women's physique. That's where you teeter on that line of feminine to masculine. Right. I think it's a great look for a lot of these competitors, but personally I still want to hold on to some, some of that femininity.
0: Yeah. So when people think bodybuilding competitions, they think steroids. It's one of those connections that people make. How valid is that? I mean, is at your level is there less of that? Do you see that in your day to day steroid use at a fitness level? Is that a part of bodybuilding? I, I'm not quite clear because some people say that's a part of, of what bodybuilding is is steroids
1: it's not necessary for everybody. Mm -hmm. Some people will need it just to take them to the next level or to help with putting on that muscle that they need. Mm -hmm. I think the misconception that's out there is that once you're on steroids, then, oh, that's why you look the way you do. Right. And then completely discount all the hard work and the discipline that still has to go into it. You still have to have a super clean diet. Right. You still have to train your ass off.
0: It's not a magic bullet.
1: Because you see people that actually start steroids thinking it is going to be the magic pill. Mm -hmm. But they take the steroids and they don't train the way that they're supposed to. They don't eat the way that they're supposed to. And then they just find they have all these physical issues because they're taking this drug that they know nothing about. Right. So is it a part of bodybuilding for many competitors? It is. Yeah. And for some... They are completely natural.
0: Yeah, and I see that thing where people are saying "natty" this, and you know, oh, this person isn't natty. It's like it's another one of those descriptors that isn't that I don't think is necessary. You choose to use it or not. Do they screen for steroids in professional?
1: Not in NPC or IFBB. They don't screen for it.
0: Okay. Okay. Was there a time that they did?
1: You know, I, I don't know about NPC. I know there are some other bodybuilding organizations that do because they are strictly they make it known that they are strictly natural okay but i'm not sure
0: okay i've heard stories but this is all like long ago like 10 years ago about people being disqualified for steroids or or whatever It, it seems to me like it's it's a tool like anything else if it is legal and you are using it also another thing is once you're on steroids, you're on steroids, period, in a sentence. Don't people use it to build that mass quickly, but then they don't use them anymore? Or is it something where people use it, that's it, they're on it?
1: So they use it and then they cycle off Right. and cycle on uh, mainly because, I guess, receptors in our bodies that can get completely clogged and where if you're constantly using a substance, your body will develop
0: resistance
1: or just where it does nothing. Right. So it's important that you cycle off and also, you know, for different health, other various health concerns with using it for a prolonged period of time. But no, it's it's not something that you would ever want to get on and stay on and just think that, oh, yeah, this is what I'm I need to maintain my muscle. Not at all.
0: Right. The misconception that it's oh, well, I just take the steroids and I'm ready for a competition. No. That's not the way physical fitness works.
1: It may help you get super lean to where you wouldn't be able to, you know, some people would not be able to get that level of leanness you need for the stage. Mm -hmm. um, About it, because of genetics. Right. Or whatever's going on with their hormones and certain steroids will help you get there. Right. Especially women, right? Because women, we naturally carry more body fat than men especially those physique competitors the women physique competitors they have to get so lean so hard and for them to get to that level a lot of them would need certain steroids to help get them to that level of leanness yeah. that's required
0: are there and this is may, may not be something that you know i mean it's like when you think of the bodybuilding division mm-hmm. of the women so let's let's just stick to women's I think there's also this misconception that the steroids, that's it. you got to be using those in order to get that kind of size. I don't think that's like Linda Murray, Iris Kyle. I'm not sure. You know, I, I look at these, the, the heavyweight, you know, like not the heavyweight, but the bodybuilder division. Yeah. There isn't, you know, let's get off steroids because I, I, I think it's it's one of those things where if it's used as a tool... It's part of what you do to make changes.
2: Yes.
1: And it's all about personal choice. Mm-hmm. You're not hurting anybody. This whole thing of steroid or uh, rage or anything like that. Oh,
0: the roid rage thing?
1: Yeah. I think that's a myth. I think if you're, if you're just mentally unstable and you take steroids, that might enhance it, depending on what steroid it is.
0: And it's also an addiction thing, too you know, if you're on some sort of drug and then you go off that some sort of drug, maybe you're just experiencing withdrawals as opposed to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think some steroids, they actually help you feel stronger uh-huh. and actually perform better. Um, so that I can see the attraction there and how a lot of people could get addicted to that feeling right? because different when they get off of it and they just, have that kind of strength or drive. So yeah, I, I could understand how there could be a addiction.
0: Yeah. And then there's also the body dysmorphia component too, which is like that's part of part of the addiction too is is, you know, thinking you're not good enough or whatever. And yeah. bodybuilding as far as keeping fit. I think the unhealthy nature of bodybuilding comes into play when you're getting ready for a competition like dropping all that weight, mm-hmm. dropping all that water right before a competition. How how long does it take to you prepare for a competition?
1: I need or I prefer a solid 20 weeks. Okay. To go from where I am like say right now and being ready for a competition, being stage ready, Mm -hmm. I would feel comfortable at 20 weeks.
0: And that's enough time to do what? During the off season, you're focused on getting size and composition?
1: Changing that a little bit, making tweaks from, you know, last year. So last year, my feedback from the judges, as well as my coach was, we need to build my legs up a little bit to match my upper body because my upper body seems to dominate. Mm -hmm. So to find that balance, we need to work on building my legs. Okay. So did in the off season. I ate in a surplus, which is why, you know, you have to gain weight. You have to be okay with having some certain amount of body fat. I'm still eating clean, just in a surplus. So when I start prep, we're going to start cutting my calories. I will be in a calorie deficit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My physical activity will increase because we're going to have to add cardio to help burn off some, you know, this fat.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm going to continue to weight train right at least five days a week. It'll be intense, but I'm prepared for it mentally.
0: Yeah. There's sort of a mental preparedness that I think you go through during your off season too, right? It's a mental, it's a mental thing too, getting yourself excited. Yeah. Do we want to talk about plastic surgery at all? Because, because it's always confused me in a sport that's focused on muscle composition. Why... I don't know, maybe I don't want to talk about this. It's one of those things where I don't quite understand the need for plastic surgery in general. I understand that some people want to look a certain way or whatnot, but when you're talking about the way your body composition is, the judges aren't looking at that kind of change, right? Like whether you've got implants or not, whether that changes your femininity, or is that a consideration that I'm not aware of?
1: It's definitely not... um... (laughs) It's not like on the judging card well, right. or, you know, like breasts or something like that.
0: Right. Um, but it changes the way you, you know, if you're looking at something like a piece of art, yeah. you can you can use various things to draw your eye in certain areas. Right. Yeah. And that is obviously when you're talking women, that's something that may affect the whole look. Yeah. Um, do people use it strategically? Do people, you know, like or is that just kinda like, eh, it's just it's just what I have.
1: Women that do get breast augmentation, I don't think it has anything to do with oh I'm gonna do it because I plan on being a competitive bodybuilder. Right. I think they do it because they just prefer a certain look when it comes to, you know, having that feminine look. Right. Um and, you know, when it comes down to like the hourglass or whatever, women A lot of women feel more confident when they have more breasts. And does it benefit to have implants when you go into a prep? Absolutely. Because as many of us know, breasts are made of mostly fat. Right. Natural breasts.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So something that's just going to go when you diet down and you lose all this body fat. And unfortunately for us women, that's usually the first thing that goes when we start to lose body fat. Right. So you know if you have implants then that's something you don't even think about you don't worry about it right like okay that everywhere i need to i have i still have breasts that's great so i still have some type of femininity that's still there no i'm pretty muscular and i'm very lean
0: Mm -hmm. because i always thought that i mean depending on the size of them they can cover but i guess it depends on the division i mean you know, you get your, your pecs, your pectorals. I mean, you know, depending on the size, um, if they're too large, they would cover that kind of, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, and listen, if we're talking about physiques here and we're looking for balance and all of that in competition, yeah, yes. And who has, if her implants are way too big, that'll throw off her entire shape, right? So that might actually work against her. But ultimately the judges are trying to focus on everything else that is required in the sport rather than, you know, someone's breasts. Obviously, I would, that'd be terrible if that's what they were looking at.
0: Yeah, that's and, and that's kind of where I didn't want to talk about it. But I mean, it's a part of talking about in the women's division. I mean, that's something people associate with femininity is breasts, right? That's just the way it is. So, I mean, I don't know how much of a part that is in the judging, if you're judging femininity, or of, of a certain thing. Like you, you, you say that generally, right? Someone says that generally femininity. Oh, they're not feminine looking enough. I I don't think that's what the judges say, right? They don't say,
2: no.
1: but at the same time, I mean, we also have to remember this sport is a subjective sport. Oh yeah. And it's in the beholder. You know what I mean? So what one judge thinks another judge might completely disagree. That's why there's multiple judges, but they all have to be judging off of the same categories. Right. Uh, but when it comes to women deciding how large they want to enhance their breasts, that's obviously it's a personal decision.
0: Personal.
2: Also yeah.
1: understand that, Hey, the larger you go, um, if you do decide to become a competitor, that can throw off your entire shape, right. but that, you know, if that's something that they're willing to do then. Hey, so be it. They could yeah. still win they could still have a phenomenal physique um, and judges may just look past that and they would you know completely just try to ignore that and see everything else but they are ultimately going for a balanced shape yeah. so could it come into play if they're overly large yes would it come into play if they didn't have anything there I think I doubt I doubt it yeah um, because they don't judge you off of that
0: right um okay so so it's not it's not something that it's it's more for the personal and less for uh, affecting the shape of you know your shape during competition, competition. yeah is your okay. okay that's that's what i thought it's you know it's like it's more of a comfort thing who who cares whether or not but i mean when you're talking about a sport that's you're focused on the way the body looks you know
1: the yeah
0: I mean, we're we're reaching the end here and I've kind of taken you too long. So let's just, do you know what video games are?
1: Yeah, I do know what they are.
0: Okay, well, there we go. There's our video game section. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was okay. you had me scared for a bit you, you i'm like oh boy
0: you don't have any time for that kind of thing you're focused on your prep and whatnot yeah yep did you ever play video games or arcade games when you were younger or no
1: be little i i mean hell i'm part of that generation where nintendo just came out with mario brothers yeah and i had a you know we're part of the game that i got was a uh, shooting a duck
0: yeah <laughs> duck, hunt.
2: <laughs> yeah, duck yeah. hunt yeah yeah yeah
0: I remember that that was Nintendo, the NES, the Nintendo entertainment system was the first system that I bought on my own. I bought with my paper route money. I saved up my paper route money and I bought myself a a Nintendo entertainment system. So, um,
1: yeah, I got that for Christmas and I was so I was overjoyed. And then they started coming out with all different new versions and I kind of lost track and I was like, okay, I can't keep up with this anymore. I had a game. Boy. though. I did have a Game Boy.
0: Game Boys were great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember taking my Game Boy. I, uh, when I moved out here from Chicago, I got rid of my Game Boy and all my Game Boy games. And then I also had, no, no, that was pretty much it. I had the Game Boy and all my games and then also my consoles. I got rid of those and I got a portable one. This is when they were starting to go color. It was an Atari Lynx. It's a system that no one's ever heard of, but it's a handheld system.
2: Oh, no.
1: oh man, I remember Atari
0: Oh okay. And Pac- <laughs> you, you, you probably remember the old school the the atari 2600 like that that generation right
1: well did it have a joystick type deal
0: yeah it was one joystick one button yes <laughs> easy <laughs>
2: it makes me feel so old
0: yeah <laughs> you know what i'm gonna send you a photo of me when i got my atari when i was little just for shits and grins got so let's wrap it up I hope that you will consider coming back on the show and we can talk again cuz this is a fascinating sort of there, there's so many complexities there's so much to talk about I think. Oh yeah. There's so many sort of misconceptions that people have that I think just talking about it people can understand when you have a conversation with someone about why they're doing something and what they want to do and what they want to achieve. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be on the show with me and talk about this, something that's very interesting. So it's like, you know, I want to support people who whatever, do what they want to do. I mean, it's, you know, there, there there's some parts that are healthy about it. And there's some parts that I think the the getting ready for competition. I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, just like, you know, I always have to be eating or else I get cranky. So I don't know. But anyway, do you have any closing thoughts on the word fit? Any any thoughts for the audience, any sort of words of wisdom as someone who participates in a sport where fitness is important?
1: Um, I would say one thing that's important is be okay with delayed gratification. Oh yeah. You know, be but get out there and just go and move and use your body. That's what it's meant for. Mm-hmm. It's not for just doing nothing
0: yeah being sedentary or sitting behind a desk
1: yeah and so whatever your sport is just or whatever you enjoy doing just get out there and move and be if you want to make a change in your body and your mind and everything be okay with delayed gratification start now because the more you delay the longer it's going to take for any change Positive change to happen.
0: It's also an age thing too. Do it now while you have your youth. You know
1: that's the other thing. Yes, it's so important because as you get older, life will just get harder. So if you put yourself in a good physical state now, your life and as you get older will just be easier. Less trips to the doctor and less physical ailments.
0: Exactly, and also easier to manage too. With some exceptions, I mean, you know, with your, like, overuse and things, we're just talking about maintaining a healthy level of fitness, but... Absolutely. Yeah, speedwalking is all I do these days. I have my rollerblades that I occasionally want to kick out, but now it's like, oh, man, getting 50s. When you get to your 50s, man, everything starts to change. It just feels like, ugh... I don't want to talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Let's just close the show. Uh, Thank you, Melody, so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I hope you'll consider being on another show in a couple of months, maybe closer to your competition. Your next competition is going to be... I'll
1: be competing in June in New Jersey. It's at NPC Universe in New Jersey. So that one's also for a pro card. So we will...
0: Fingers crossed.
1: But yeah, maybe in late spring, early summer.
0: Yeah, let's continue to maintain communications because i really want to and maybe we can talk about games at some point <laughs> but
1: i'm very limited but sure no
0: no that's <laughs> fine it, your daughter plays games right sure does yeah oh yeah. is that
1: well it's not that bad anymore but she she does have her few um favorites so
0: she one of these call of duty does she like Call of Duty?
1: No. Believe it or not, my husband and I, we used to play Call of Duty against each other until Xbox decided to get fancy. And now you can't, like, sit next to each other and play on the same console. Oh,
0: yeah. Actually, I hear that there is there is a problem with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that just came out a few months ago. Couch co-op, private matches. They don't work at all. So you can't have a game with your buddy because they just don't work.
1: Yeah. See, my husband and I, we used to love playing against each other because we both are terrible. Mm -hmm. We would still act as if one is better than the other. So
0: (laughs) You know, it's a competition thing, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Healthy competition in a relationship, I think, is is an important part. Yeah. (laughs) Got to motivate each other. Yep. So thank you very much for joining us. On that note, my name is Ben.
1: And my name is Melody.
0: And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.